care deeply about reaching lost people. I care deeply about moving a church out into it. But I had to first myself start to really see, okay, this starts with me. Hello, this is Kevin Harney. And uh, along with my wife, Sherry, uh, we are the founders of Organic Average International, a ministry that we kind of started in our basement, so to speak, in West Michigan, uh, just seeking to help local churches move outward with the gospel. We know that every local church believes, uh, every Bible-believing local church believes in the gospel, believe that people need Jesus, and they believe that the church is a great vehicle to bring gospel. The problem is most churches don't do it very well. And so we, uh, we started a, a podcast some time back with our host, Adam Barr, uh, and Adam is the lead pastor of Peace Church in Middleville, Michigan, and he's also the uh, host of the Organic Outreach Thought Leaders podcast, uh, and Adam is a not just a great thinker, but a passionate lover of Jesus. And so he's been, he's, you, you've probably heard his voice on the podcast many times. You've heard him interview all kinds of great leaders. Uh, but what you might not fully know is that Adam not only leads the local church, but he leads organic outreach in the local church. He's not a theorist. He's a practitioner. Yeah. And so we're looking forward to uh, hearing him from a different standpoint. Uh, he's now not hosting the podcast. He's get, getting to be on it. Hey. So, Adam, uh, great to be with you today, and uh, how are things in Michigan? Things are going very well. It's, uh, they're not quite as nice as uh, things in Monterey, I'm pretty sure. Uh, we, we took a turn for the cold this week, but um, uh, we're, we're getting warmed up. Our church has been going uh, gangbusters. Our, our church in the rhythm in the Midwest is a lot of times summertime. You see it kind of a taper down, and with the launch of the school year, everybody's kind of back in town again. And you launch into it, and we had an incredible fall launch. It's been exciting to see what God's doing in our midst. So we're, we're enjoying it, enjoying the, the life together as a, as a church here in, in West Michigan. Well, Adam, I know uh, you, you love being a pastor. You, you, uh, you and your wife, Jen, and your, and your family are, are all about the local church. And so as we talk today, uh, I, we're, we're talking kind of pastor to pastor. Yeah. And so g- give me a snapshot. You, you came to Peace Church, uh, a wonderful, loving, kind of smaller country church. Uh, you t- Tell people how long you've been there. And in a snapshot, how the church has grown and particularly how you've seen people come to faith and grow in faith. Yeah, so I'll, I'll uh, have been at Peace Church nine years this November. It's hard to believe. Uh, it's, it's been amazing. God's done some some pretty awesome stuff. Uh, I, I remember when I first got a phone call about coming to Peace, I had never heard of the town of Middleville before. Um, I didn't know where it was. I can remember I had one time, my wife and I figured out later on, we had one time we had driven about six months before I ever was, was called about thinking about coming out here. My wife and I had been invited to a, a wedding and the wedding reception was in Middleville, which we figured out after we actually took the call to come here. And we were, I'll never forget, the, the, the wedding was at Corinth, which in, from Jen and I, that was already sort of a country church. And we had the wedding and then we, we start driving and we keep driving and driving and we think, you know, where in the world are we going? And we finally, we get to this place and it's called the Middle Villa Inn. And we walk in for this, uh, for this wedding reception. And as we walk in, we hear the sound of bowling pins being knocked down. <laughs> so the, the place where the wedding reception was, was a combination wedding reception hall and bowling alley and bar. And so it was, it was, <laughs> it was just so unique because I can remember us looking and thinking, who in the world lives out here? Well, we, we've lived out here for the last nine years. And when we came to peace, they had been through a kind of a rough process. They had lost a senior pastor, had to um, part ways with him for a number of different issues, but the long and short of it is they'd been through a really painful time. The church had, had split, had, they'd lost a lot of members. 
But as Jen and I started to get to know the people of Peace Church, the, the thing we saw right away was that these were people who really love the Lord. Um, yeah. uh, they, they really love Jesus. The first thing we wanted to see is, you know, are the people who are still part of this congregation, just the people who are kind of like, you know, you're never going to take my church from me kind of clinger on type people, or are these people who are faithful saints? And we figured out real quickly, these were faithful saints, people who love Jesus mm-hmm. And when we walked through the facilities, just I, I, there were a couple things that stood out. One thing was I remember we were walking through the facilities of this country church, and they walk us into this like industrial-sized kitchen that's just off their worship center. And I look at this thing, I think, this is, this is unbelievable. These people are really into hospitality. And then we walk into this, this room where they have this whole puppet thing set up that they do for kids called Caraway Street. And I remember as I'm standing in this room, I look up and... I realize, because there's a peaked roof, I, I'm looking at their former sanctuary that they have mm. turned over to the children's ministry of this church. And that was a huge impact thing on me, because if you know, it, it might be different in certain parts of the country, but in Midwest Michigan, West Michigan, people love their, their sanctuaries. And the idea of, of painting it and filling it full of kids' stuff, for a lot of churches, they would say, oh, that's sacrilegious. But I saw that and I thought right away, okay, these people are cool. And then I walked into their worship center. I look up in the rafters and I saw a disco ball up there. And I thought, these people are willing to, uh, to use their space. They're willing to, to, to reach out. They care about their community. And so, you know, there was that. There was meeting some people. And just those, those kind of stood as metaphors for me of the heartbeat of our church, which is a church that just loves to reach people. And so over the last nine years, we've, we've experienced really incredible growth, especially considering where we are. We now have been worshiping uh, over 900 for the last few weeks, mm-hmm. which is, is amazing. Uh, we've, we've done uh, a significant building addition. Uh, we've added uh, a lot of staff. We now have 27 people on our staff um, yeah. and uh, just hired another full-time pastor. So we're really excited and encouraged by what God's done in our, in our midst. It's really and I love the people of this church, the heartbeat that they have. And they still have that heartbeat to reach out. So it's awesome. Well, that's fantastic. You know, I, I know some of the history of your church. And so when you came there, they're going with disco balls. They're putting in puppets. I mean, they're, they're, do, they're doing stuff. I mean, they're doing stuff. And they want to reach the community. But, but there wasn't a kind of intentional system or culture that kept pushing it outward. So it would happen sometimes. But, but also, to a large degree, the church was faithful uh, sharing Jesus, uh, preaching Jesus, and staying kind of the same uh, for for decades, and then something happened. I mean, there, there, some changes started happening, and, and I know that part of it was obviously at the end of the day, it's the Holy Spirit of God working and people being faithful. But you began to kind of kind of bring into the culture of of Peace Church a culture of outreach, a way of thinking. You began to change the operating system, the culture. Talk about how organic outreach has helped in that journey of consistency, intentionality, and equipping your people to, to let outreach be part of all that happens in the church. And frankly, when it happens there, all that happens in their personal lives. Sure. Um, in some ways, I kind of came with organic outreach in my DNA, uh, having been mentored by you for a lot of years. And um, But I also think in a really significant way, if organic outreach is going to come into any community, it needs to come into the heart of, of a lead pastor. Um, I mean, it can happen, but unless a pastor really in his bones um, has, a, has a commitment to this, it's really, I just want to warn people, you're not going to just uh, do this by um, giving 
a half your heart to it. You got you to gotta be all in. One of the things that you've said a lot of times, Kevin, is you can't lead what you don't live. And so for me, the great, what I loved about organic outreach when I first came across the material was, was just the, the basic emphasis on what's going on in your own heart. Uh, when you read Organic Outreach for Ordinary People, that whole section on preparing the soil. Um, I mean, th- these are truths that I think other people have said, but putting them together the way that you have, it is challenging to me. Um, I'm not one of those guys who has a natural gift of evangelism, interpersonal evangelism, I don't think. I mean, I care deeply about reaching lost people. I care deeply about moving a church out into it. But I had to first myself start to really see, okay, this starts with me. Uh, this starts with me praying a certain way. It starts with me being much more intentional about the way I move out. Because um, as you get into the system, you see these different levels of outreach that you have to move through or these levels of influence that, that, that it goes, goes through. And, and so for, I'd say just the very first thing is before you try to start a program in your church, um, you got to start with a personal embrace of what it means to do organic outreach. And I think that was a big thing for me. Um, it, when it comes to how we started moving this into our congregation, um, you know, it's, I would say it's been a, a, a consistent, constant charge over the last six years of, for us as a church. It started with me coming out to, my own, uh, to an experience of an organic outreach conference. Um, and that was an incredible time. I brought then a, a team out for the very first, I think, I think it was the very first intensive you guys ever did. Yeah. And um, that first team was made up of a, of a couple um, who, who were volunteering their time and, and gave of their time. And, and we ran with that program, for, I would say, for about a year or two. And they really, uh, they gave as much as they could to it. Mm-hmm. I, for, for us as a church, I think a huge turning point was when we really were able to have, we had some key people, some key staff in place. And when we pulled back together again, and the truth is, I had to give leadership um, to, to launching that thing to get it off the ground in our context. Um, I know that for a lot of people, organic outreach isn't something that you want this, the lead pastor to, to be the outreach influence team leader, but that's what we did in our context. I'm happy to say we're bringing on somebody who we're hoping to move into that position within the next few months. So for us as a church, it was about looking and saying, um, you, th- this doesn't just happen. Uh, um, there's so many things in the church that if they don't happen, everybody's going to look and they're going to see. You know, if I don't prepare my sermon a few weeks in a row, it's not going to take very long for people to know that. Um, yeah. if, if the worship leader isn't doing his job, it's not going to take very long. If there's no nursery, people are going to figure those things out very quickly. But if outreach isn't happening other than just a few distinct events, Churches can go years without that. And so for us, it's been about pushing it down level to level. So from the heart of God to the outreach influence team leader to our outreach influence team, those are our key program leaders. And I would say we're, we're at a point where that language, the language of organic outreach has been woven through that culture. And we're pushing those further down. And so it's been really cool. So for instance, um, when we get together as an outreach influence team, we'll talk about some of the important values uh, that, that you guys have already made available to us through the website, organic outreach website. But I have, for instance, my production director is meeting with his worship uh, guys um, who, who run sound and who run video. And he sits down with them and he explains an organic outreach concept with them, which is the next level down. So we're seeing those things take place. I, I, it's not, this is, there's never a point I believe when you arrive um, with the organic mm-hmm. outreach system. I think it's got to be a constant pushing this thing down the road, constantly doing it. 
um, it doesn't stop. So I'd, I'd say that's, that's kind of a thumbnail sketch of where we've been. We started with me kind of embracing some of this. We, we've, we've built a core team of people on staff who embrace it. They're pushing it down through their areas of ministry. Um, I've walked out of the church at different points and seen my children's ministry director sitting down with the, the staff who work underneath her, and they're going through an organic outreach um, uh, agenda, which is incredible. Yeah. 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 And I know that, that our listeners know those agendas are online and we're actually, uh, we've got a seven, seven years of agendas now. And then we're uh, there in English and Spanish. We're developing three new languages, That's which amazing. is pretty exciting. And then also we're making some shorter versions for people to say, I don't have an hour and a half, but I've got a half an hour. And we're trying to tighten things up and, and still give those, those four elements of inspiration, accountability, learning, and planning every 30 days. We always say every 30 days till Jesus returns. Yeah. Now, one of the, one of the things that um, is just a reality all through history is that you know, culture will often bump up against the work of the church. Culture will bump up against the, the gospel. And Adam, one of your unique callings, one of your passions, and one of your ministries is being really looking at the intersection of culture and the church, culture and evangelism. Uh, and so as you're working in a local church, in a, in a real-life context, uh, what are one or two of the cultural challenges that you see that might, that might push people away from being evangelistic, that might make people, Christians go, well, I love Jesus and I believe in all this, but it's kind of, you know, I don't want to, you know, what, what are a couple of things you're seeing from your unique perspective that, uh, that, that, that we're bumping up against? And then, and then after that, I'll ask you another question as a follow-up, but what are the, the, the blockades you're seeing culturally right now? Yeah, that's um, that's so relevant to where we are as a church. Um, if you look at the early church, you see they they really what set them apart it wasn't just a, a massive geo- geographical expansion from you know Jerusalem to Rome through the through the story of the Book of Acts, but I think as much it was it was crossing cultural bridges. That's what really defined the early church. They were able to embody the message to cultures that didn't have the same common reference starting point that the church did in Jerusalem when it was a Jewish community. So learning how to speak a language of a culture that felt very different. So Mm -hmm. I think one of the big challenges that we're looking at right now as, as a, as a church is that increasingly our message is out of step with, with our culture. Mm -hmm. It's just, I mean, there's no getting around that. Our message about the nature of truth, uh, about the nature of faith and, and salvation um, our, ma- our message about the nature of human relationships and human sexuality, in so many ways, we are in a very, yeah, we're out of step with culture. And we have to, we have to understand that and know that. Because if we, if we try to pretend it's not there, we're, we're going we're gonna to miss it. And I think, so that the, I think one of the central challenges that raises up, I think, for every Christian, it's, it's how do we push back against this, this culture that says if we disagree with each other, then we can't be friends. How do we push back? I, th- I think we as the church are going to have to be one of the, one of the communities that says, hey, look, it's, o- it's, o- it's okay to not, not agree on everything. You can still have a relationship. You can still have friendship. You can still care with You're each still, other. You can still love each other. Yeah, and I, yeah, and I, and I, I look and I'm, it's not, we're not saying truth doesn't matter. We're not saying that facts don't matter. But we, the, the, we are so polarized as a culture. I mean, it, and it's not just one group. It's not just like Republicans, Democrats, liberals, conservatives. You look at, at the intersection of like someone sends out the wrong tweet or, or you know, one of these sorts of events and people's entire career. Yeah. People's yeah. entire yeah. careers are being destroyed. So I think personally, I think 
one of the most incredible things that we can do as Christians is help remind our culture how to be grownups again. And, mm. and, and part of that just means we can be friends, even if we don't always agree. I think we need to model that really well. Because let's face it, the church can sometimes be just as immature. Yeah. Like, like you're Calvinist, I'm Arminian, you're Wesleyan, I'm Reformed, you're this. I'm the, we have to get over that, that, that mentality. Uh, not, again, not to say our convictions don't matter, but the convictions, especially at a certain level, we can't let convictions stand in the way of relationships. So, so Adam, you talk about us being you know, out of step and out of sync, but obviously the answer is not for the church to get in sync with the world. Right. Um, we're going to extend the grace you talked about to hold to the truth, extend grace. But how do we, how do we walk with and love people and still tell them that at the end of the day, we believe that the way they're seeing the world and where they're heading is, is wrong. Uh, not just, it's not just, Oh, that's a different perspective. Um, how do you in your own church ministry, uh, help your people walk with, with folks that they might disagree with, but, they're, but they want for these people to know Jesus? How do you press into that relationship and not affirm what they're doing, but still love them? I'll put it this way. How do you have compassion without compromise, which is actually <laughs> part of the title of, of one of your books? Um, yeah. How do we extend compassion, but not compromise? In, 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 in two minutes, don't give me, because you could give me two hours. Give me just a snapshot. I did write a book about it. Yes, I, think, I think the church needs to be really good at doing this in two different ways, um, at, at two different levels. I think, first of all, I think the church needs to stop apologizing for preaching the truth. I think we, yes. you know, here's the truth. If you're in an evangelical church today, people in the world most likely have some sense of what we believe about some of the most important topics of the day. Yeah. And so, I've seen churches say, oh, we don't talk about that from the pulpit. You know, we, we cover those things in, over in this corner over here, or we don't, we never want to talk about that controversial issue uh, on a Sunday morning because we, we handle that over here. We, we, we just want relationships. I just, I'll be honest with you. I recently saw a video produced by, by a group called Refinery29. They're, they're a group that, that uh, is definitely not Christian and they're, they're looking in. They, they were doing kind of an expose and saying, look, these evangelical churches that say they love people, they actually are still, they still believe yeah. homosexuality is sinful, for instance. That's a, for instance. As if, yeah. in, in, they were essentially saying, you guys, you lack integrity. So I, I, yeah. I personally believe that we have to get better at really being honest and saying, this is what we believe. And also, this is why we believe it. And we're not picking on one group, for instance. I mean, if, if you talk, we're not talking about human sexuality. Um, so I think yeah. that's the first thing. We have to be ready and to, from the pulpit, from the whatever you preach behind. We got to speak the yeah. truth publicly, but then we also have to, I think, up the challenge to our congregational to be hospitable. Yeah. I, I, I just recently have been working through a book called The Gospel Comes with a House Key by Rosaria Butterfield, and in it, she talks about, you know, it's such a disconnected world, we have to be people who are building relationships, and I do not believe we're going to have any kind of integrity to speak those truths from the pulpit if we're not also building relationships. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, the church I pastor, uh, we have lots of people in our church who, uh, who know exactly what we believe uh, about sexuality, about life, about everything, and, and, and in many cases disagree. And they, they, some are non-believers, some are very new believers, but that salvation process is there, but sanctification is just beginning, and they're trying to sort this stuff out. And, 
I love that we can be firm without apology, but also gracious and kind. And hospitality is essential. And so, yeah. uh, greatly appreciate that. Uh, just a couple more questions here uh, for you, just in your you know kind of practice of organic outreach in, at Peace Church. Um, how did you get your your board, your your session consistory leadership team? Every church has you know different names, but that that core leadership team. How did you get them to? jump into this? Did you just say, hey, we're doing it? They all went, yay, and off you went? Or was there uh, some effort in trying to help them see that this vision of Jesus has got to become our vision in a very practical way? How'd you get them to move forward with you? You know, it, I, I got to be honest, it, for, for us, it wasn't really a, a challenge. I mean, I wish I could say, oh, I had to, you know, take them through, you know, a six-week prep process. It wasn't, no, it was, we, we honestly, I just, uh, the one year I gave them organic outreach for ordinary people. I said, you guys read this, do devotions through it. And we did that. And then we, we've explained the concepts. I think that's really the key is you got to educate them. This is why we're doing what we're doing. Um, again, I, one of the beautiful things about our church is that there's been an outreach heartbeat in our congregation, I think from yeah. for, for a long time, what there needed to be was an intentional operating system that they could use. And so I, I, I haven't seen it. it. For us, it wasn't a huge, a huge hurdle. It was simply just. And now, now that now the issue is, how do you keep them? <laughs> how do you keep them rolling with it? You know, how do you keep them? Yeah. You know, month by month, um, doing it without them feeling like it's just another addition to the meeting. Yep. Good. Well, and and I love the fact that you say, well, they, we didn't really do anything, but you did give them a book to read. You did yep. say we're going to begin moving forward, and and I think that ultimately you're saying these are concepts. Let's look at these. Uh, there's Bible passages by all these concepts. Do we agree these are biblical? And, and if, if your board yeah. says yes, we do, then then it's a good opportunity to say, well, then let let's let's go for it. Let's do it. And yeah. and I love I love the fact that on for the most part your board is ready to jump in because what that means is they believe the Bible, they love Jesus, and they have a heart for the gospel. And can I tell you, I think most churches, small and large, most churches, the people that that are called to roles of leadership, if they're there for the right reasons. They do get this. Amen. And if you'll just lead well, they're ready to follow. And, and yep. I love the last thing you said, but you have to keep leading well. Because yeah. after a year, two years, three years, it starts to wear off. And if, we don't, if we're not relentlessly consistent, uh, then the forces of hell and personal fears are going to get in the way. Yeah. And so how have you kept pressing this forward? I mean, again, we talk about every 30 days to reinfuse things. How have you built And What are a couple of things at Peace Church that if, if – if our listeners came and just kind of wandered around your church for a couple of weeks and watched, they'd say, oh, man, you're, you're doing stuff to keep the fire ignited. You're actually doing things. What, what would they notice? Somebody would notice wandering around Peace Church. I think what they would notice is a genuine, relentless commitment to welcoming people um, into our midst. Um, I mean, we have events. There's all kinds of cool stuff going on. We're doing this huge Halloween outreach, which I can't wait for. Uh, but but there has been a relentless commitment to helping connect people to the life of Jesus. And it's really there everywhere, especially like we just had a, 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 a meeting with uh, new people who could gather together, have a lunch, sit down with, we had our pastoral staff on up and chatting with them and stuff like that. That's just, I mean, that's a t- tiny, small example, but it's, it's putting in a, we're doing systematically what we want to see people do individually, which is again, hospitality. How do you, how do you reach out and, and welcome people in? And so, there's this, I would say, across the board with our staff, there is this bias towards people who are disconnected becoming connected. Mm. And I think yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I could talk, I could talk about that a lot more, yeah. but that's, that's, it's, it's re- really written into the programming that we do that 
that we're not just thinking about us. We're, we're thinking about who's coming through our doors and how can we make what we're doing right now something that reaches other people. So let me ask you a question, and, and just uh, not that you're not being forthright, but I'm going to ask you to be just totally honest here. If we were to watch a videotape of your last 10 board meetings, how many of those board meetings would we look and say there was something substantial happening in that meeting that was raising the vision, the value, equipping, training, something that would propel outreach forward? Out of your last 10 board meetings, we watched the video of it. We'd say something happened in there that pressed that church forward in outreach. So I have to be honest because I was not here for, I think, at least three of the last 10 board meetings because I was out for the summer. Yeah. So if I was to speak to the ones I've been a part of, I would say there was probably in at least 50% of the meetings we had something like that. Okay. I would say at least 50% of the meetings. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, probably not, uh, we're probably not batting 1,000 right now. Because sometimes so we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about that offline. We'll talk about that later, Adam. <laughs> I, I know I'm in trouble. I know. I, at least I would say. At le- I would say at least at least half the meetings. I mean, we went through the organic. Out- we went through organic outreach uh, again last year, and so we had multiple meetings. But I'll, I'll admit, I came back into my board leadership in August. So I've met August and September, and I think we've we haven't had a what's your what's your outreach temperature question so a, a, a robust focused time yeah yeah a and robust so, focused so, time so so i i will tell you in our last in our last 10 board meetings we spent a half an hour in every board meeting on this and and we literally we do some inspiration time to get people fired up we do accountability we ask every board member in front of the other board members who you're praying for who you're reaching out to who you're walking with towards jesus and, and then we have some learning experience and we're actually having our board members teach each other now. We're actually raising up some of our board members to do the teaching. And then we talk about what's next. So like your Halloween event coming up. Um, and you know, it's a whole other topic about if you really want to you know, celebrate Satan and all that, that's your business. But it's a joke, Adam. We'll need to edit that out. <laughs> no, don't edit it out. Leave it in. I want everybody to know how mean you can be. <laughs> but but you know, but you know how do you rally those board members to say be there support it pray for it help us fund it yeah and so uh, and so I want to encourage all of our listeners you're you're listening to two practitioners two local church pastors um, it's it's if we're not relentless um, it does it does tend to tend to fade out even from the most of it I mean you know you're leading podcasts you're training people you're one of our cultural leaders in this. And if we don't just absolutely beat that drum, um, it starts it to wait. And so, yeah. um, and so w- one, last, one last question. Uh, Adam, right now, what's your outreach temperature from 1 to 10? What's your personal outreach temperature from 1 to 10? I would say I am a 6. I was, okay. I was probably a 5 last week, but this week uh, I, I, uh, I've been out of the gym, which is one of my key places. I was back in the gym again on Monday. Yeah. And it was so good to get in there and look around. One of the one of the young guys who I pass almost every time I go in and said, "Hey, I haven't seen you for a while." And I said, "Yeah, I, I took the summer off." And I said, "I need to be back in the gym." And he said, "It's good to see you again, man." And so just just that alone is it yeah. pushed me up and it's making me more excited than I ever have been. So personally, that's where I am. Organizationally, I'd say we are going hardcore, um, and and that's exciting. So. I love it. And, and, you know, just, just that question about our, my temperature, the church's temperature, what's my board's temperature, um, encourage our listeners just to continue to ask that question. It's a simple question. And, and, and sometimes the people say, well, you know, we've been asking that question for two years. Are we going to keep doing that? And I think that's kind of like going to the doctor and the doctor taking your temperature and checking your, 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 
your heartbeat and, and checking your blood pressure. And you say, oh, hey, doctor, you did that last time and the time before. When are you going to stop checking my temperature and stop checking my blood pressure? And the doctor's going to tell you, when you die, man, it's, this, this, is what, this is what we do. It's that important. These, these are simple evaluations of how you're doing. And so yes. uh, we just encourage our listeners to, to use the tools that are out there. Adam, you give a final word. Uh, that, what's, what, are, uh, what are you excited about with the upcoming podcast that you're doing as, as doing really our, you're interviewing world leaders, global leaders, uh, national leaders, movement leaders. Uh, we're, Walt and I are going to be interviewing local church practitioners. Uh, why would you say to people it's important that they go back and listen to the podcast they might have missed about some of the leaders you've met with? Well, I would say, I mean, it's true we're going to interview some some thought leaders, some you know major people. But one of the most, I think, awesome things that happens I, each time we have a conversation is just my goal is to get to the very heart of why does this person do what they do. And we've had some incredible stories get shared. We had one couple just recently on share about um, their their chaplains at Harvard University, and they just released a book about their experience of of their sons. Um, a, a tragic accident that left him mentally incapacitated in many ways and, um, and walking through that process together. So we're not just talking about people who, who give us theories, but people who share stories from their own lives that are, are, are just frankly amazing and inspiring. So every time I, every time I walk away, I just feel like I'm, <laughs> I can't believe I got to sit down and talk with that person. And if you're someone who loves being inspired in that way and loves hearing from people who have, I think in many ways, it's not that they're, they're going to say something you've never heard before, but they're going to say things in a way that I think crystallize key insights that will inspire you for ministry. And so I think that's really the function and the purpose of what we're doing with, with that podcast. Beautiful. I want to thank all of our listeners for, for listening in and want to encourage you to not only go forward as we're going forward to listen to every time Adam does a podcast it's going to be provocative, great questions, uh, life stories, practical tools, and really looking at that uh, at broader leaders around the church. Uh, and, and you're going to be encouraged by that. And then also now we're adding in, uh, this is really podcast number one of when Walt, who is now the, uh, the president and uh, CEO of All of Organic Outreach International, will be doing some of those. I'll be doing a few of them with uh, some leaders that I know. And we'll be talking about those kind of, kind of hands in the dirt, uh, planters, um, leaders, pastors, uh, church, church planters that are going to be out there doing great ministry. So continue to follow us and you can go backwards and pick up a lot of the podcasts that you might not have heard. Every one of them is worth your time. Uh, thanks for listening. God bless you and have a great day.